Okay, if we're going to recreate this old pic of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits right. Well, for some reason, I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. I just use the S Pen to circle the outfit in the post, and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up. How did you... You shut it. Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. (laughs) (laughs) Circle it, find it with the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Say you're a professional landscaper. You're not just tough, you're professional grade, and so are your tools. Because you got best-in-class Echo X-Series products. You get a perfect balance of power, weight, and performance from a professional-grade 56-volt battery system. Max-out battery tech that gives 100% power till a 0% charge. Echo X-Series means best-in-class tools for best-in-class pros. So when we say Echo is professional-grade, we mean it. Echo. Power on and on. Welcome to the and This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Why do we call it leverage? Because it's the power to add influence. It's the power to act effectively. It's what you're going to need in the new music industry to get that manager, to get the publishing deal, to get the book an agency to get the record deal, you're going to have to have a reputation. Nobody can really afford in the music industry at this point in time to develop raw talent. You're going to have to do some more refinements on your own. That's going to give you leverage. That's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. And the genius that came up with that is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and on the regular, Brent actually connects you to the pros. So you get a shot. You get an opportunity and uh, to create a relationship and move forward. You can find Brent real easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists. That's right, indie artists, by making them discoverable. They've created multiple tour opportunities, and through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors. That's the money people for their artist and the investors dig the numbers because they know numbers don't lie because numbers can't talk. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production singular, no S and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up, my brother? How you been? Man, good. We're on spring break here and uh, getting a late start this morning. Okay. It's all crazy town. We also found out something super important just recently from a tweet or something like that. Yes. That, About a town close to you? Yes. My wife's hometown is 18 minutes from Jasper, Missouri. And now, uh-huh. if you don't know about Jasper, Missouri, a little nugget of trivia, that's where the, uh, the, the movie Roadhouse was fictionally <laughs> set in Jasper, Missouri. So all this time we talk about Roadhouse and you, my wife's hometown is like 18 minutes from there. Dude, you should it's go all coming full circle. Dalton. <laughs> I know. I a bear fell tall. on me. I get that a lot. <laughs> I know. I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> They don't say that to me. 
No, I didn't think you'd be so skinny. <laughs> I do. No, no one says that to me either. <laughs> <laughs> but what's been going on, brother? What are we going to learn today? We are going to talk about uh, this. This came in in a, in a variety of forms and different questions from some climbers and some people in the songwriting pro community. And just about, hey, do you only write for money? Like every song do you write? Are you trying to make a buck off of it? Or do you just write for love and the money happens? And so basically the question is, as a pro songwriter, do you write each song with the goal of profit? Or at least in the beginning, did you just write out of passion and success naturally flowed from that passion? So we're going to answer that question, at least for me, and uh, hopefully an answer that will be helpful and relevant to you climbers out there. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah, passion or profit, baby. There we go. All right, well, let's take care of some business first. Uh-huh. The Climb Podcast is proud to partner with Disc Makers. They've been supporting indie musicians like you before indie music was even a thing, before your grandfather even knew about it. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl, which is selling really, really well, or if you're going to distribute your music and videos with customized USBs, go to www.discmakers.com. That's D-I-S-C makers.com. It's the only place you need to go. And while you're there, click on the Guides and Resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and for studio veterans. You can find them online again at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Hey, and if you haven't joined the Climb community yet, please do, do so. Find it on, do it. Yeah, do it. Find it on Facebook. Request to be let in. We, it's a private group, but we let everybody in who requests it. And uh, unless it's, we're nice until it's time to not, not be, be nice. nice. Right. Yeah. Going back to that roadhouse movie. <laughs> exactly. We will, <laughs> we will roadhouse you because apparently uh, my wife's probably got some people that can do that. That's right. Yeah. You got, you're in, you're, you're more in than people. you thought you were in. Up yeah. in the country. Didn't know. but uh, there's a lot I mean there's uh, out of all the communities there's a lot of activity there I mean it's not a dead community by any stretch and it's not a spammy yeah it's not spammy it's a lot of good questions a lot of people answering coming in every single time I respond to something if I get in there it's been happening it's been developing for a little while Mm -hmm. Um, they're great they're all worthy awesome smart responses to a songwriting question or a marketing question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that about it. And then I'll add to it and go on a thing, you know, but yeah. it's, it's good. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get wherever you listen to your podcast, we're everywhere. So that way you get them in order, all the main episodes on Tuesdays, the mini episodes on Friday, and you can consume them at will. Take 30 seconds, leave a rating and review. Make sure that uh, it, five star, hopefully, hopefully you like us that much. And, so. uh, let other people know what you think about the content on here. That helps us be more legit. That's called social proof. And then even bigger piece of social proof and the best compliment that you could give Brent and I would be to always share the, the podcast. Put it, mm-hmm. speaking to you, if it's working for you, if you're a regular listener, if there's one episode that just blew your mind that made sense that that connected a dot or two for you, then please tell people about it. Tell your friend about it. Tell another songwriter about it. Share it on your social media. Let them know why. And other people will listen if you say it. If you say it, it's 100% true. If we say it, it's 50% true. It's right? You're right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, reviews. We got a new one, don't we? We do. This one's really cool, too. This is from, uh, this is a five-star review. It's from Gonzo2001. 
Um, and it's, uh, the, the title of the review is Real Talk. With Real Talk. Point. Just listen to my first episode and I'm hooked. No sugarcoating here, just real talk and advice on the do's and don'ts of the songwriting business by guys who have been there and done that. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Gonzo, 2001. Thank you, Gonzo. That's awesome. Yeah, except I didn't get been there and done that. I mean, I, I got close on it, but I was never a professional songwriter. <laughs> well, you, were, you, you did the you know, professional musician on the road making a living, right? I did that. That's you true. You've been there, done that, right? There you go. Well, that's true. I did make some money. Yeah. Some that's good. That's for okay. reals. More than most people do. Oh, by the way, okay. I got to, before we get into this, something funny happened the other day. I'm going to pull up my, my Facebook uh, messenger. So um, some of you may run into this, you know, applying some of the stuff that, uh, that we recommend. You may get a little bit of pushback on people. Let me see if I can find this. Oh, I hope I can find it. Oh, here it is. Okay. So, you know, we talk about reaching out to people and, you know, making it about them and free gifts and stuff. And so everyone that sends me a, a Facebook friend request on my you know, songwriting pro profile, not my personal one, but my other one. And I always respond to them personally. And so in this case, it was a fellow named John, which is, I think, a common enough name. I can go ahead and give his name. Like, so he sent me a friend request. He came to me. I'm like, hey, John, hey, man, thanks for reaching out. Wanted to connect. You know, I appreciate it. Here's a way of saying thanks. You know, here's a, here's a free gift for you. It's my ebook, Think Like a Pro Songwriter. You know, I've had some cuts and, and here's some stuff I've learned in the business. You can just go and you can just, you can go have it. Go I forth and, and yes. yeah, hopefully learn. Hope it serves you well, right? Yeah. So yeah. put his name in there. It's personal response and it's a message back, right? You send me a request, I message you, and then I accept your friend request. And this is the response I got. I'm not interested in buying a book. You write lyrics? I need help with lyrics. <laughs> and then like three hours later, and this is on a Saturday, three hours later, hello, can you help me write lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> so... How about now? So, so my, I know my response back is, well, it's a free book, and yeah. I also share a lot of lyric writing advice for free on both my blog at you know songwritingpro.com and, and the link, and on my podcast, The Climb, which is on iTunes, Stitcher, and here's a link as well. You know, yep. free stuff. I also, you know, I do some one-on-one songwriter coaching. You can see the details in my calendar and book a session at you know songwritingpro.com/slash/coaching. You know what the response was? No. You are a moron. F off. Only he spelled it out. You suck. Wow. End of our conversation. So, John, wherever you are, thank you for the no-star review. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, Stop taking – some people just won't take yes for an answer. So, I know. Can you help me write lyrics? Yes. Here's a way. Here's a way. Here's a way for free. You suck. Okay. All right. There we go. So, But he's like, no, no, no. I want to get on the phone with you. And uh, yeah, he didn't even know what he wanted. He just, I I don't know, but John, I can understand why you're having trouble finding co-writers. Um, (laughs) but that, anyway, just a little sidebar. It really tickled me. I couldn't wait to tell him like, this is funny, but you know, when you're doing this stuff and you're building your business and you're reaching out to people and you're, I mean, you're giving stuff away. Some people just won't take yes for an answer and don't let that deter you because you know, you're out there trying to provide value and you're not slamming it down people's throats. Right. You know, John, he's asking for help. I'm like, here's ways I can help you. Can't let that. Some, some people let that man, every time. So I'll get that every once in a while. Just I, I, I want to share this with everybody because if you're trying to create a culture, uh, that means you're trying to connect with people. You're trying to get a conversation started, and you know what? You're gonna every single day, you're gonna get an a hole. <laughs> just yeah. 
wear like a badge of honor. So my dad used to tell me, like, you're going to meet an a-hole like that every single day of your life. So I can't protect you from it. You know, yeah. you got to figure out how you're going to deal with it. And, and mostly when it happens to me, I, almost like 99% of the time, the person's just having like a really bad day. Yeah. So they just decided to, you just happen to be collateral damage yeah. in the line of fire. And because uh, sometimes I'll do that, like when somebody, when somebody unsubscribes, um, mm-hmm. and I love unsubscribes, right? Like, right. It's better for my percentages. Like, I don't want to, I don't want you hanging out if you don't get it. If I gotta not, or if you're not, if you've done with it, maybe you've gotten, you've learned everything you've learned and it's time to move on. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, it's all good. But then, you know, sometimes it comes with a nasty gram or sometimes I'll just get a nasty gram in my email about, it's almost always about a headline of a podcast that we sent out and they don't bother listening. They just <laughs> to the headline, you know, as if yeah. it's politics or something. Sometimes I'll, I'll write them back, <laughs> you know, but totally like, Hey, you know what? If I really, if these words were really made you feel that hurt and tore you to, I'm so, so I want to apologize. You know, I just come out and apologize. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. We don't have to hang out anymore. That's totally cool. But I just wonder if, you know, maybe you're just having a really bad day because I don't feel like you listened to the podcast. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And then, you know what? Like a lot of times, a lot of times nothing happens. They just go away. Right. But sometimes I come back yeah, you're right. Like, I'm, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I'll get an apology. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just put my arm around him. I'm like, dude, it's okay. You know, well, there's one time. Because uh, it, it takes a lot of energy to be that negative. It does. You type it out. And, and you can turn sometimes haters into, you know, fans or whatever. So, yeah, yeah there's this one time a couple of years ago on LinkedIn. And, you know, I was sharing a blog post in some group or something. And at the bottom is like, hey, and here's your free ebook gift from Brent, you know. And somebody was like, Oh, this is whatever, just to sell your book and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, it's a free book. Free book. <laughs> and, <So. laughs> and, you know, whatever. And we conversating back and forth a couple of times. Next thing I know, he's want, he's asking to write the song with me. Yeah. I'm like, well, that went a long way from I'm just a slimy salesman trying to sell my book to. Well, see, so you don't know the story, right? I mean, that's just it. Like, you don't know what happened. Like, maybe just before he got screwed on some guy who wanted to be yeah. like, songwriting guru or was giving the whole schmooze thing and then all of a sudden it's like but for two thousand four hundred and fifty nine dollars you can be a better songwriter tomorrow here's my plan and you know it it, when that first started happening when i was first getting into this and trying to help people and stuff that would some of that stuff like hit deep like it hurt yeah like it hurt me in the feels going am i am i yeah, you know, like you start having that self-doubt going, am I slimy? Is this sleazy? Should I want to be doing this? But then yeah. you see all those people that are connecting with publishers or connecting and writing their best songs and are sending you thank yous and stuff. You're like, this is for them. I'm helping them. So, yeah. so it may be the same thing with your music that you're like, some people, haters are going to hate, but the lovers are going to love it. And I've written that, so don't. But, you know, think about the people that are digging your music or that will dig it once you get past whatever hurdle it is. Don't yeah, but anyway, that's that's right. Big long sidebar just to get to what we're talking about today: passion and profit. But actually, it kind of weaves in there a little bit. So to get back to it, so as a pro songwriter, do you write each song with the goal of profit, or at least in the beginning, did you just write out of passion and then success naturally flowed from that passion? And, and the answer is yes and no. <laughs> so, uh, although you're probably looking for a little bit something more, so I'll go ahead and not end the podcast there. Um, <laughs> I wrote and I still write for both passion and profit. I write 
for both. I've always loved creating. I mean, it started with making up my own comic books when I was a kid, and it moved on to short stories and bad poetry and songwriting. And creating something new has kind of always given me a buzz. I mean, whether it's a new kind of just a pun, you know, a wordplay, something when I was a kid, you know, that made me giggle, or a comic book or a short story or a poem or whatever. I could just get off on creating. I love it. Pure and simple, I love it. So that's a passion. That's how I'm wired. That's something I love doing. And that passion for songwriting is what led me to write for profit. Now, why do I want to write for profit? So I can spend more time writing. I can literally afford to spend more time writing and creating and doing what I'm passionate about, right? So if I can make a living writing songs, then it means I can spend a lot more time on my passion. I don't have to jam songwriting into the cracks between a day job, family time, laundry, and sleep. And I've done that, and I don't like it. And maybe you're doing it now, and you're like raising your hand going, ah, I feel you, Brent. I'm <laughs> on the climb, and I'm having to jam my passion in around, you know, hopefully you're passionate about your family too, but a day job and commutes and all this other have-tos, right? Yeah. Well, if I can replace a day job with songwriting or creative pursuits, then I get to focus more on songwriting family, friends, and sleep. I haven't figured out a way to avoid laundry yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> but, you know, you can replace some of the have-tos with more of the want-tos. And so that's why I write for profit because it profits me not just financially because really there are other things I could do that could profit me more, you know, sustainably or reliably or predictably than songwriting. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about passion though. Passion keeps you going long enough to get good enough and to build the relationships that make profit possible. <clears throat> I'll, I'll say that again. Passion keeps you going long enough to get good enough and to build enough relationships that make profit possible. So it's just too hard to get to the profit if you don't have the passion first. Like if you're only writing for profit, like, well, I've seen there was a guy in my hometown. He went off and he wrote a Tim McGraw hit. Now he came back in a Cadillac. I want to do that. Sell me yeah. a song. It's not going to happen. If you're going after the money, you yeah. got to have the passion for it. Otherwise, the it won't be worth not it. Not going to happen. You're not going <laughs> to stick it out. I mean, the passion is what gets you to stick around through the sucky parts, <laughs> which is when you're writing bad songs and nobody cares, and you're knocking on doors and nobody's answering, or they show you right back out the door, all that stuff. So, so that's the thing. I write for both because I I have the passion for it, and the profit lets me do more what I want to do. If I were I in a cubicle right now, I would not be talking to you, Johnny, about like music and stuff that I love, right? This is something I'm passionate about. So even this other stuff. That's right. The blogging about it, the, the events, getting to hang out with other songwriters, getting to hang out with you and do a podcast and talk about this stuff. It's all in the sphere of what I'm passionate about. And it allows me more time to do that stuff. Yeah. It's I think if you look at the, the really great like actors and stuff that you'll see, they kind of vacillate between uh, a passion project, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's just got some sort of meaty thing that they want to portray. Like that, the Indy Woody Allen film or the yeah, yeah, Sundance kind of thing. A Sundance movie. Yes. Yeah, a Sundance movie. It's not okay. And then they'll do like a summer blockbuster um, because mm -hmm. they got to keep the name out there. And they're, by the way, by doing that, if you think about it, they are, bringing more people to the passion project because the name stays relevant. The name mm -hmm. stays big. There's a draw, right? Yeah. More people are like, I want to go see the new 
oh, what's his name? Well, whoever it might be, you know, Chris Evans yeah. movie, because I freaking love him as Captain America. And now he's doing this other thing. What's what's going on there? Just because I think he's awesome. Yeah. And you may well, check it out, this little black and white film period piece that you wouldn't have seen otherwise or whatever. I've seen that too, like with um, with artists when they talk to me and they're like, you know, but I'm, I love reggae. I love country i love Mm. hip-hop i love rock and roll and i love classical and my dream has always been to put a record together with all those things like you know and i'm like okay no (laughs) (laughs) that's not gonna work like you just can't mix all those parties together it's no nobody's gonna get it you can but it's not gonna help fund the next record yeah well okay let's say you have a huge hip-hop hit then they go and they buy the record and they start to dig into you and but you've got a country song and a reggae Mm. song and all this and they're like pissed off because they wanted more of what you hooked them with, right? right or yeah. if it's a country thing and vice versa, it's just like you, you, you can't ride that many horses with one butt, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you have to forsake them. And this is my point that think about what John Mayer did with his, he did pop. I mean, very well, mm-hmm. very well, incredible musician, incredible writer, but then he does uh, the John Mayer trio. It's a straight up blues record. Mm-hmm. It sold a million copies. When was the last time a blues record sold a million copies? So he, he exposed a boatload of people mm-hmm. to this other passion that he had, and they loved it. Yeah, because he did this other thing first. You gotta, you gotta be intentional about how you dole it out. I think you're right. I think too many people focus on the, the result and like, well, yeah. what's that gonna, what's that gonna look like? And it's man, you know. Just what if you just did the work? Yeah, you, you better enjoy the work. Uh, uh, speaking of films again, I heard a, a filmmaker or read some quote somewhere that says, you know, some people think we make movies to make money. No, I make money to make more movies. Yeah. And yeah. that's the same with my music. It's like, why do, do I make music for money? Well, no, I make money off my music so I can make more music. Yeah. And so I don't have to go sit in a cubicle and not make music. Yeah. And, and I think, I, man, I, like, first of all, I remember like, okay, I remember an interview with Janie Lane, who was talking about, I don't remember the name of the movie, but they always had a certain process that he wrote songs. That's the way that he did it. And then mm-hmm. he became, he was a lead singer on Warrant. That was a big mm-hmm. 80s band. But then he got asked to do uh, movies or do music for a, a film. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I never, I never did that before. Right. So it was like, it kind of freaked him out a little bit, but, <laughs> yeah. but he was also like, it was really interesting because all of a sudden I had to scratch this other itch. Mm-hmm. The story was already there. I had to be writing lyrics that were relevant to what was going on mm-hmm. and write music that was relevant to what was going on. And it just made me think about it differently, but man, that's like, that's like if you've only ever done chess your whole life in the gym and then you woke up and you're like, today I'm going to do back. It's going to be a little sore at first, but it's like, <laughs> oh, it's healthy, right? Because it gives you just another perspective and mm-hmm. uh, another way of honing that craft and getting better at your craft. Like, well, even if you're writing for, what I'm saying is even if you're writing for profit and you're sitting there trying to think about the way that a specific artist wants to serve up this lyric that maybe isn't the way that you would do it, mm-hmm. but you're not the artist, first of all. Right. What's wrong with that? right you know what i mean like i actually had this conversation with the first of all with just about every artist that's ever been like self-contained on their writing when they they trip about a co-write 
Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. And the idea of a co-write comes up, they're like, ooh, I don't know. And then yeah. the first thing that comes out of their mouth, I could, I could flash a sign. It's like, right now, he's about to say, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nah, they're, they just write for everybody. They're not, they're not going to get you, though. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And, but I'll tell them, I'm like, look, because in their head, what they think, and this is what I wonder if some people think this in the, in the writing community out there, is like, if I write it, there's some sort of etiquette that says, I got to cut it if I'm an artist. Oh yeah. And what if it's not for me? And so, you and know, I can say from prior experience for sure, just because you're out with an artist doesn't guarantee they're going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. Or, or if you're like, if you're the artist, right, maybe you're an mm-hmm. artist that's doing co-writes now and you're kind yeah. of getting into that thing. And I'm like, like, you know, just go right. I mean, imagine what you're going to learn sitting in a bunch of room with a bunch of other people who are passionate about this as you are number one mm-hmm. and in Nashville and music roads make a living doing it. So yeah. what are you going to bring from that to your own writing? And if you write something and it's not your brand or does it would be something that you would never cut as an artist fine, mm-hmm. but you still create it. You still learn, you still flex that muscle. You just did it a different way. And how is that ever a bad thing? What the result of that writing is going to be is entirely up to you. Yeah. Just doing the work is always I'm going to drop a word we're going to use in my episode next week here with cross training. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know, the thing about cuts, like I love getting cuts. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's validating. It's encouraging. Sometimes you actually make a little bit of money off it and, and not many feelings are better than hearing your own song on the radio. It's fantastic, you know, and the money from a hit single can be fantastic too, no doubt. But the thing is, I mean, I've thought about this. I think I might trade cuts for just being guaranteed to be able to sit in a room with a buddy every day and make up songs. Like right. you'll be able to do this every day, much as you want, never get kicked out of it. You're not going to make a cuts, living doing it. You get, yeah. to do the, you get to do the art every day. Yeah. You're not going to get any more cuts, but you know, we'll make sure you make a living kind of thing. I think I might trade that because as much as the validation, the external reward feels good. Well, I love the process. I think I would take that over going, yeah, we're going to get you cuts, but it's all back catalog. You'll never write another song again. <gasps> I don't think I could do that. You know? Yeah. You know, financially, you might be better off, right? Yeah. yeah. Sit in the room with buddies, make up songs. Oh, I don't think I could do that. 
Well, I mean, I could be making a ton more money doing anything else other than what I'm doing right now, but, but I love this. <laughs> I love artists. I love the music business. So I want to be here. Yeah. But I, I mean, I get that. I, I think that, that whole for profit thing, if somebody's looking down at their nose at that, because that comes from the have nots. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's yeah. what that comes from. There's, there's often, not all the time, but often, there's sour grapes with that. Mm-hmm. And to your point before, Brent, that's just people that are focused on the result. Yeah. You know why that sucks? Because I'm not famous. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Because I haven't made a million dollars writing a song. Like, dude, like what do, are you looking at? How do you look at the, the buildup to the show? You know, mm-hmm. how do you look at the buildup to the hit song? Do you think it's, uh, it's like the person that I've written three songs in my life. I'm just going to see how these do. Right. Before I decide to write anymore. It's like already you lost. You know? Yeah. And, and the end of the question was, did you just write out a passion and success naturally flowed from that passion? It's like, no, it did not naturally flow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, success didn't just happen as a byproduct of my passion for writing. A lot of my songwriting success is due to things out of my control for sure. Like, you know, like the Lady Antebellum cut. It's not my fault that my co-writer bailed that day. It's not my fault that uh, Hillary Scott's and Casey Kessel's co-writer bailed that, that day. We're all supposed to be writing a major Bob. We all, all hopped in a room together and ended up writing a cut that day. Mm-hmm. Not planned up until the moment we got in a room together, <laughs> you know, right, right. and then the, then the plan kicked in. Right. But that was out of my control. Um, so it was, but the thing is it might've been out of my control, but so much of my success, it was never unintentional. I was always intentional about writing often, intentional about learning my craft, intentional about networking. I wasn't always very good at it, but I was, but I was purposeful. So my intention to get cuts affected what kind of songs I wrote, how I chose co-writers, even moving to Nashville was a result of this intention. And I can't say I made success pick me, but I can say I raised my hand as high as I could, as often as I could. And that made it easier for success to pick me and to find me, right? It was definitely no accident, even though it wasn't 100% under my control. Um, yeah. And so it did not just naturally flow from a passion for writing. Uh, Stephen Pressfield, I think it was him that said this, but he's a writer. He wrote this great book called The War of Art, which I highly recommend. It's an easy read. Even if you don't like reading, it'll hit you in the feels. It's great. Uh, it's a real good kick in the pants. But I think it was him that said, you know, amateur, what, is the, what does that word kind of translate to? It means, you know, for the love, right? Mm-hmm. Amateurs, they do it for the love and professional, like, oh, they do it for the money. But he actually argues that a lot of times amateurs don't love it enough. It's the pros yeah. Yeah. that really love it the most because they're the oh, ones like that stake their whole future on, on this thing. Yeah, who loves it more? The person that just does it, you know, and won't sell their songs and they do it as a hobby. I'm an amateur. I, I do it. I just do it for the love, not those people that do it for money. I love it enough that I'm staking my family's eating next month on whether or not we're going to get these songs cut. And I'm staking enough. I love it enough to leave my family, you know, to move out of Arkansas, to move, you know, that's 300 miles away where and rent a room for my uncle's mother-in-law and wait tables at Cracker Barrel and work part-time at Blue Water Music and go out at night and, and meet other writers and go to writers rounds and spend time that other buddies were going out and having a good time when I was sitting in my room working on lyrics and all that stuff. And then going and doing all the uncomfortable networking that, cause I'm not that person that just can't wait to go out and meet a ton of people to go out and meet these people and, and to fail. And 
you know, gets rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and all this stuff. So I can finally start get a, a cut and a publishing deal. So now I can do more songwriting. Who yeah. loves it more? Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, me, exactly. Like, I those, love that. I really love it. And they commit, they, right? They, they go commit. deep. Right. Again, it's the cross training, right? Like you can't, it's like sitting around thinking like tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. It's like, Oh, well, what kind of training have you been doing? Eh, I'm just going to, just going to do it. Yeah. Think it can break two hours. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. I like to go, I like to go jogging. It's, I yeah. love it. I like to think about going jogging, you know, you know before I go jogging it. every now and again. I love it when I find time. Eat a pan of bacon. You and think the, jogging. the just magically happened? <laughs> Naturally yeah, I mean, that my what you just described there is how hard work plus dedication equals equals luck, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you, you create your own luck because yeah, the luck had to present itself, but if you hadn't done all of that work, right. You I couldn't wouldn't have been riding a major Bob. Yeah. You couldn't have walked through the door. I wouldn't have been there for, you know, the lady Annabelle case for that happy accident to run into Hillary. You know, it took a lot of work to get to that spot where she was right down the hall. Yeah. And all the other stuff, you know, every step, there's a lot of work that goes into the, well, that was at the end. It's always kind of like, well, that was lucky. Yeah. yeah but there's a lot of work. They bought that lottery ticket. No, that's right. That's right. Then, I mean, to, yeah. to, to be, you know, to, to be able to get in the room where the lottery ticket happens, right. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And then two, like to know what to do, yeah. to know exactly how this movie looks and mm-hmm. i know the role i'm supposed to play in this movie in this particular situation because i've had that only comes from experience that only yeah. comes from doing the work and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable that's right and you know does it mean that every song i've ever written or ever will write is only with an eye for profit does it mean that i never write a song you know just for fun or just because it was something i had to say no it's not what that means at all but those times are the exception, not the rule. I mean, even because even when I write those songs that are just like, oh, it's got to come out, I usually try to craft them into something commercially relevant, into a commercially relevant form. You know, best of both worlds, right? Even with the passion songs, it's wise to write them in a way that leaves the door open for profit. I think that's, you know, you've, how, that song, That's My Job, uh, Conway Twitty, classic mm-hmm. Conway Twitty song. Gary Burr wrote that by himself. And I heard a thing, you know, some... Uh, interview or something he was doing. I think it was an NSAI speaker tape, but he talked about, you know, he, he turned it in cause he had to, but it was a very personal song about him and his dad descriptions of his house and everything. It just, it was his story, his life. Mm-hmm. And he was amazed that it got cut because it was just so personal that he wasn't even going to turn it in, but financially he's obligated to those terms of his deal. He turned it all in. Okay. He did. And what do you know? It becomes a monster career cut for a legendary country artist. Mm-hmm. He wrote that song for passion. He yeah. make a lot of profit because you, you write and you craft and you craft and you're so you get your craft up high enough that even those passion things come out very well crafted and accessible to other people. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you can write for both. I mean, there's a song that was cut by a Southern gospel artist called the sermon that is one of the most uh, for me, like the process of writing, it was the most emotional I've probably ever been writing a song. It was about my my sister-in-law, Jeannie, who passed away from breast cancer. And she was in the process, you know, she was in the last couple of months of her life when she, when I wrote the song with Jason Cox and Michael Boggs. And, and there was a, a guy that they knew that had cancer. 
as well. And just the song writing this thing was, I was balling like a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's still sometimes, depending on Get your work how up. much I'm listening, yeah. still, hard to, still hard to listen to. But it got recorded by someone else. Yeah. So was I writing for passion or for profit? Well, I was writing for, yes, is the answer. <laughs> you know, because we still wrote in a way that was crafted because that's what we do as professionals. You still right. write it in a way that's crafted. And it still has all the meaning to me that it did the day I wrote it. I didn't take that stuff out of it for profit. I, right. If anything, I put more mm-hmm. of that heart into it. And that's part of what allowed it to be profitable. But then again, Southern Gospel, so not much profit, but still, hopefully eternal rewards. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> when they say passion or profit, like I, I, I think that means like, are the lyrics trite or are you trying to say something kind of a thing? But... I just mm-hmm. want to express this sentiment that there are there's a pragmatism involved with a lot of what you see in art, mm-hmm. right? In a lot of what you see in, in the world, there's a pragmatism, but it's it's coupled with luck. But in, in, in my band, I, I was more of a, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna win American Idol. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. the guy that was gonna sit down and sing you the phone book and make you cry. So we mm-hmm. we loved vocals we loved harmonies so mm-hmm. we put a lot of harmonies around our choruses in there I'm, i've got a thing for that i love that you know i mm-hmm. love queen i love the big harmony stuff and we could do that and we everybody sang so we could do three parts we could do four parts we did some cool stuff cool it also took the spotlight away from me right i just had to <laughs> right. go in between and I, the spotlight was on me but i could entertain and didn't i wasn't going to be but if i might have done it differently if if I had a voice like Michael Bolton or something, you know, or, yeah. or Colin Ray, I would have, I would I would have done it differently. So the the point I'm getting to, you know, we did amateur song demos. We got that little deal where we uh, mm-hmm. get opportunity to get in and, and get them done at a, a discount. And I'll talk to people and they, they discuss this Brent and they're like, well, I got a different way of looking at the world and da, da, da. And I'm like, are you an artist? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then, you know, then you got one of two things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. You either have to write in the way if you want cuts, right? If, mm-hmm. In a way that is that they're going to want to accept it. Uh, mm-hmm. in the, you know, let's say in the country music world, right, or the pop music world, they want red solo cups. Then you've got to write red solo cups. That's what mm-hmm. you got to do if you want to cut or find an artist who gets what you're Wait. saying, who's connecting with what you're saying and how you're saying it, so you can change the world that way. But you, you, there's a pragmatism. You've got to still have somebody that's going to sell it, right? Somebody's yeah. got to sell that lyric with the vocal and who's going to do it if it's not going to be you. So mm. then you have to think about it differently. Like, okay, what's more important that I write this particular passion or that my passion for writing leads me over here to where I can maybe make a living at it. Yeah. I think it's partly finding where your art intersects with the marketplace or gets yeah. as close as you can. Yeah. To make it palatable where hopefully can, there's that point of intersection. Yeah. Where, yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe it's more artsy, uh, but okay. Can we present it in a way melodically or production wise where, you know, it can be more palatable. And then when they listen to it a little bit more, they're like, Whoa, wait a second. I thought this was just a pop country bro thing, but there's actually saying something here or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Might be. 
Yeah, I mean, like you, and the only way you're going to find that again, like that's level two, level three, level four, right? Mm -hmm. It's like expert level when you get there. Just do the work. Just quit giving yourself reasons not to do it. Right. And just go do it. Like, because if you love, you have to love the craft. If you don't Mm -hmm. love the craft, the juice isn't going to be worth the squeeze. Right. You've got to love it. Like you said, you got to love it so much that you're willing to sacrifice all this and that and the other thing and, and take some risks. It's, you're never going to get the exact pitch that you want across the plate. You're still going to have to no, take, swing that bag and try to hit that curveball. Right? <laughs> it's, it's all curveballs. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know, like it, 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 it morphs. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Yeah. I mean, my, my writing changes over time. And the thing is, what do I, what's remained constant? I love writing. Yeah. I love creating. Whether it's a Ray Stevens, silly, you know, something he does cut or something silly he doesn't cut. You know, I had just as much fun writing the right Reverend Roadhog McGraw, which Ray Stevens cut about a trucking preacher, as I did writing, you know, Night of the Heat Lamp Burrito, which was another <laughs> Matt and I were aiming for a Ray Stevens thing. It's about one of those heat lamp burritos truckers might run into. Disgusting. And <laughs> you should have thought better of it. You didn't. The and it came the back to haunt you. Burrito. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's. It's so silly, but we had a ball riding it. He didn't, yeah, Ray didn't cut that one, but he cut another one. The, the fun of riding it was the same. Yeah. Then we had an extra, you know, now I got something to hang on my wall and something to listen to, which is an extra bonus. But man, the joy in the room was the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the craft. I th- yeah. mean, when you start thinking about it like that, like you think about that, I've had trouble with that with artists. We had one artist that is a kid. He keeps it awesome. Like, guitar player like amazing you know mm-hmm. amazing guitar player and we brought him down moved to nashville young started working with him and he was like a rock guy mm-hmm. i was trying to see if we could take that influence and sort of use it into country right yeah i thought it would be interesting right like yeah. and, it, and it hadn't been done you know like a revved up because he's really young right tommy's like 18 mm-hmm. it's like man let's do jerry lee lewis when was the last time somebody did that revved yeah. up sexual lyrics just all about being a teenager and getting into trouble and yeah great balls of fire and all that but let's do it instead of piano let's do it with guitar mm-hmm. i thought at the time that you could almost hear the first black crows record spun on country music these days you know with yeah. some of stuff that's come out like the Cadillac three and, and mm-hmm. you know, some of the, those are rock records. Oh yeah. But all he could do is like, man, you're going to play this on country radio, maybe. And I'm like, well, yeah. That's the end. He's like, well, I'm not wearing a cowboy hat and a bunch of boots and stuff. And I'm like, nobody, nobody said he had to do that. Right. You know? And yeah. he's like, well, well, and he, uh, just one excuse after the other, he's getting scared. Yeah. And I said, bro, I said, look, I'm never going to put you someplace where you don't belong. Right. And we were talking about tone, right? Because we had an issue with this tone, which is like a rite of passage for every rock guitar player. You come in with all this crap, 50,000 pedals, and it sounds mm-hmm. like a 747 taken off. There's no room for the music. It's like, <laughs> with all the yeah. noise from all the pedals. And I'm like, dude, go listen to ACDC, the early ACDC records, any ACDC records. Like, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of distortion on those guitars. They just played them nasty. The yeah. rhythms are played nasty. That's the way Malcolm played the guitar. It's nasty. It's mm-hmm. dirty. It's not a shitload of distortion. Excuse my French, you know? I said, just go play it nasty. I said, imagine yourself listening down to the record. You'd love every single thing about it. I said, are you there? He's like, yeah. I said, now, where do you care where we sell it? Yeah. Why does it matter? 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's so, it's so, it, it breathed over so much into that, that he could get away with that, you know, but yeah. you know, it never happened because he's just so worried about the way he envisioned the outcome. And mm-hmm. you and I just got through saying, like, you can never envision the outcome. It just, no. <laughs> you never think it ends up the way it ends up. Yeah. I mean, before you ever get into a ride, if you start talking about passion versus profit, like you've already lost kind of, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're in a different mind space. But hey, I, I know we, uh, we're going a little bit long here and I want to wrap this up, but uh, I just want to encourage you, you, you can do both. It can be done for both. Yeah. You don't have to trade passion for profit or profit for passion. You can do both. Yeah. I've, I've done it. I've seen it. I live it. So, um, and also, listen, I have an opportunity coming up. If you want to, raise the game on your commercial songwriting. And maybe you've been writing for, for passion and you're like, you know what, let's, let's learn how to frame, but your craft just hasn't been there. Like I want to learn how to make some decisions as I'm writing these things I'm passionate about to make them more commercially relevant so I can hopefully get some profit out of it or at least write some stuff that's more competitive. Or if you've been writing for, you know, for profit, but you just, so far it's been nonprofit and you want to try and make some decisions to help your songs get a little bit more, you know, commercially relevant we have the C4 experience coming up. So C4X, five nights in April. So like two hours a night, it's coming up. There are only, at this point, a couple spots left. And so they're, they may already be gone by the time this airs. So if so, sorry. But uh, basically <laughs> what we're going to be diving into these five nights is helping you to write songs that artists want to record, that radio wants to play, and fans want to hear. And the deadline is coming up this Friday as you hear this. So the end of the month on March... 2019 won't be doing this again for another six months only a couple spots left uh you can get all the details by going to gift from brent.com and download the free ebook and that'll put you on the i don't want to pay for a book list i don't want to pay for your book well it's free <laughs> as we learned let me say that again it's free sometimes i know people have trouble hearing free and taking yes for an answer so um go to gift from brent.com download the free ebook and that'll put you on the insiders list and that you'll get all the, all the details, but you can also go to songwritingpro.com and, and look through there and go to the store and that, uh, if there are any spots left, you can get that there. But it, it is, it's about writing songs that artists want to record radio wants to play and fans want to hear. And you can be passionate while writing those things. And but, I, yeah, I'll tell you, you what, I don't care who you are. Like that, that you, you should flex that muscle. You don't ever yeah. have to use it. Right. You don't ever have to use it, but it, it, you're telling me it's not worth learning, understanding more, like getting a better perspective on it, to get a wider view of the world. Like you need, you need to know everything you can know about your craft. Yeah. And then you know what to throw away and what you want to keep, right? Right. And then you make decisions on purpose. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Again, join the Climb community if you haven't done so on Facebook. Great community, people helping people, best kind mm-hmm. of people most wonderful kind of people subscribe to the podcast. So you get every single episode of mini in order and you can consume them and bounce around as much as you like. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Tell us what you think. If it's helping you, it'll help other people. And that review helps get some new people involved when they check up on the legitimacy of what's going on here. And then finally share it. That's the best compliment you could give Brent and I tell somebody about it, put it on social media, let other people know why you like it. And we go from there. I mean, that's why we're why we're doing this. This podcast mm-hmm. exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. <laughs>